millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And in this episode, we're talking Belfast, as well as all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Tim Ifland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And this week it's Belfast, which is the intensely personal story of nine-year-old Buddy, whose stable and loving community and everything he thought he understood about life is turned upside down during the troubles of 1960s Belfast. But joy, laughter, music and the formative magic of the movies remain. Belfast is written and directed by Sir Kenneth Branagh, starring Katrina Balfe, Judy Dench, Jamie Dornan, Kieran Hines, and Jude Hill in his feature film debut. I can't wait to talk about Jude Hill later yes. in the episode. But we mentioned in the opening about the troubles of mm. 1960s Belfast. So I think before we jump into talking about Kenneth Branagh's very personal film, should we set a bit of a political kind of context and landscape for our listener? Yeah, so The Troubles was a decades-long war between Unionists who wanted Northern Ireland to be a part of the Republic of Ireland and Nationalists who wanted to remain part of the United Kingdom. It has a largely religious element. It's between Mm. the Catholics and the Protestants, essentially. And during this time, bombings of public places were really common and and neighbours became enemies. Yeah, and many families in working class areas had to move out of their homes or were even intimidated into leaving. And it was the largest realignment of people since World War II took place. Mm. So that gives you a, a sense of the scale and impact it had on the Irish community. Yeah, so when Belfast opens... It's 1969 and Buddy is just a happy kid playing with a trash can lid and a sword. It's the sweetest image, isn't it? Yeah, it's gorgeous. But then this innocent scene is really quickly turned upside down by rioting and violence between the Protestants and the Catholics. 
And it all happens in the blink of an eye, doesn't it? Both in the film and I guess in real life. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kenneth Branagh has said about making this film that Belfast is the most personal film I've ever made about a place and a people I Mm. love. And from the very first frame, you really get a sense of that. And it's his way of kind of telling his recount, although semi-fictionalised about the the impact, the immediacy that you referenced mm. happened within the streets of Belfast back in the late 60s. And all of this stuff that's happening, we're seeing through the eyes of our protagonist, yeah. Buddy, yeah. nine-year-old Buddy. The movie's just a snapshot, I guess, of a young life changing in unimaginable, shocking ways. Mm. But he's also dealing with the trials and tribulations of just being a kid and finding his way in the world and dealing with the crush he has on his oh, classmate. It's so I love cute. That. Little Catherine. And just to build on that, because it's told from the perspective of little buddy, everything this film touches and explores comes from this real authentic place of love. And you mm. can really, really feel it. Yeah. And even though it's such a specific place in time it's quite universal isn't it yeah themes that it's exploring of community of family of joy of growing up Mm. and speaking of universality Kenneth Branagh started to pen the script during the first lockdown Mm. of coronavirus back in early 2020. And those symmetries between the lockdown and the suffocation of the Belfast community that were experienced with the barricades and the barbed wire and keeping Mm. their community safe was also being felt at the time that Kenneth was ready to tell his story and tell the story of these people of Ireland. So it's quite a poetic link between us in modern day society being in some kind of lockdown and then comparing it to the story that he was going to tell about the Irish people, you know, decades ago. Yeah, the timings just come together in this magical way to hit at exactly the right time of when this story was meant to be told. Yeah, and it is a story at its core. It's so many things, but Mm. there really is that beautiful sense of hope yes, around uncertain times. I would say joy. I just mm. loved that there was still such joy and community spirit found among all this fear. You know, it's, it's a life and death dangerous situation that's evolving around these people. But when it's around you constantly, I guess, do you become desensitised to mm. it as these people did? Like in one hand, you are a bit desensitised and you get on with your life. But on the other hand, it is extremely scary and there are some moments that bring you back down to earth and there's some powerful sequences in this film that just really crash you back down to earth. But then in the cracks you find such joy. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. And it's because it's told through the lens of a young child. Yes. That those, it, it's specifically how the film is shot. It's almost like you're a fly on the wall and the shots are framed that you're kind of just in the background witnessing a conversation that's happening. Mm. It's it's the experience of Buddy and you are sharing that experience that he has. It's kind of just these little pockets, these little yeah. moments in time, these little conversations that all have a lot of political and tumultuous weight behind them. Mm. But then at times there's just these stunning moments of just innocence yeah. and joy and humour. Goodness, the, yes. the Irish humour comes through in this film a uh, lot, doesn't it? A hundred percent. And that's another thing that I find so impressive about what Kenneth Branagh has done here is finding that tone. Mm. It's an incredibly difficult line to walk, especially when you've got such political undertones and humour and you know all this stuff wrapped up into the film. It could either be really, really too dark Mm. or it could be too dismal or it could just make too much light 
of it. Yeah. But he's walking the line perfectly, I think. So you, you, you thought that the tone yes. was, was delivered really well? Bang on, I think. Yeah. Because you, it doesn't distract you from the awful situation that they were in. No, you feel it. Yeah, because it's about real people, real stories. It's just this deep authenticity and the optimism and hope that the Irish people had despite literally their world crashing down around them. I agree, a really difficult tone to get right, but delivered beautifully. I think it's interesting you use the word authenticity and that's what makes such a good film, Mm. I think, when there's authenticity behind the voices, whether that's a woman telling a woman's story or, you know, Kenneth Branagh telling his own story. That's Mm. what resonates with people. You can feel it come through the screen. Yeah. And speaking of the authenticity, recreating 1960s Belfast, do we want to talk about how Kenneth and his team Mm. realised some of those challenges? So to begin with, archival footage is used. Yep. That's the basic, you know, tool that they use to set the scene. It's also filmed in Hollywood black and white. Oh, gorgeous, isn't and, it? And what that is is it gives off a glamorous sort of glossy quality to the shots. It's yep. not just straight black and white because this is how Buddy would see the world through his big imagination. So they yes. didn't want it to be too dark and dismal. It has kind of a glamorous quality to it, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. But isn't doesn't that sound weird that you're saying that? But it is absolutely what you felt watching yeah. the film. There's almost an epicness to yes. what it looks like. I mean, there are some quote-unquote epic moments towards the beginning of the film, the car explosion in their street, Mm. you would call epic yet somehow aesthetically so visceral Mm. and only black and white can really take you on that journey. And it's a very, very smart choice to have made this film in black and white. But even though most of it is in black and white, I love that they injected colour into the scenes when Buddy's watching a film. Did you notice that? Yes. So when he's watching the movies or he's at the theatre – that's all in colour because that's mm. the colour in his world. That's when the world really, really comes to life and his imagination takes off. And I thought that was a beautiful use of, of the two. I agree. And another way that they, I guess, symbolically demonstrate the colour of Buddy's life is the camera often holds on his reactions, mm. his really authentic reactions of a child and that joy and that wonder, that mystery and that intrigue that he he loves Westerns. They go and watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in the oh, cinema. Yes. Uh, which is deeply nostalgic for me. I grew mm. up watching that film countless times. So I, I loved that the camera didn't divert from what Buddy was experiencing. It was yes. all about that. That was it's the all, focus. It's all through his lens. I could not get enough of the fact that movies were the colour in his life because mm. movies are the colour in my life. They're the colour in your life. I, oh. It just resonated so deeply with me and I just loved that technique. Oh. And, and how timeless it is that a boy in 1969 Belfast can feel so much about content, about stories. The magic of movies. Yep. And Mm. here we are right now today Mm. kind of, I don't know, continuing on that legacy. Mm. Now the street that the family live in and where most of this film is set was actually built on an airport runway due to the pandemic and filming constraints. They couldn't do it in the streets of Belfast, unfortunately. But what they've created in the set is very authentic. So authentic. And because they had so much control, they could put the camera wherever they wanted. They had so much freedom in that space. And Mm. to really deliver a sense of community and belonging to the people that lived there. And they would have only been able to achieve that with full control over the set. So that was a really good, Mm. I guess, I don't know, happy casualty, happy accident of the pandemic that they had to go down that road. 
it comes across as quite grey and dark, which most cities can be, but there's such beauty to be found even in the sets. And Branagh has just done such a stunning job of finding the light and getting it to shine through on film in different ways. I just adored it. And part of the reason why you could even see through the black and white, the colour and the vitality of this place Mm. was the film very interestingly opened up in modern day Belfast with all these establishing shots in colour. Yes. And then it it transitioned to black and white. So you you got a sense of what Belfast was now that helped you realise and manifest what it was like back then. Yes. That was a very helpful tool. Yeah, it grounds it in reality. Yes. Doesn't it? Like this has happened, this is a real place, it's a true story. And that's what the archival footage does as well it shows you the gravity of what's happening and really Mm. brings home that this was a real thing and it was really horrible as we've discussed countless times about the perspective and point of view that this story is being told you the audience just like the characters in the film were learning about the context of the history things that were going on through the medium of television through those news bulletins yeah so it was a really effective tool in offering that exposition and that context for not only us but the characters in the film too. Speaking of the characters in the film, I want to talk about Jude Hill. Yes, please. The little boy who is the protagonist in this film. His performance was incredible, so joyful and innocent, but he could also convey that concern of a kid who was equally disturbed by the violence happening around him as he was by not getting to sit next to his crush in school. You know, that's just... So quintessentially a kid in that you can be scared one minute but distracted by your own problems the next. And the beauty in both sides of that and the innocence of it just was incredible. Isn't Jude stunning and so like effortlessly natural in front of the camera? But you could tell he was also taking direction quite well. Yes, very, very well. I can't believe this is his first feature film. He's got a huge career ahead of him. He's definitely one to watch. I mean, there were so many things about his personality that were just so adorable and, like, you you just wanted to give this kid a hug. You wanted to just have him in more and more scenes. He hates going to church is one thing that he doesn't like to do. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, there's this wonderful discourse, I think it's between his grandparents, where he, he says being Catholic sounds good because you just get to ask for forgiveness for anything naughty <laughs> yes. that you do and then you're able to go on and you're not going to hell and all the rest of it. So it's just that perspective of a child that is so hilariously tapped into. Yeah, exactly. I can do whatever I want and just apologise. Yeah, I might become <laughs> Catholic. Yeah, And you referenced before his his young love for a girl in his class, Catherine. And it's such a beautiful subplot in this film. Buddy trying to muster up the courage to talk to her and he confides in his granny and pop for advice and updates. And they were Mm. some of my favourite scenes in this movie. Yes, played by the grandparents, played by Kieran Hines and Judy Dench, incredible actors who were so gorgeous together. So You know, grandpa's the romantic dreamer. Grandma (laughs) is the realist, you know, the hard working class woman. And the two of them together were just brilliant. And they carried some of the biggest laughs and most endearing moments in the film. It was a really nice balance of that tone that you mentioned earlier. (laughs) And then we've got Katrina Balf from Outlander as Ma, who is strong and fearsome, but just loving 
so mm. beautiful and kind of glamorous as well. Very glamorous. But again, that's how I guess Buddy would have seen her. So we're seeing right. this all through his eyes, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and then Jamie Dornan as the working class father who's trying to earn a living in England because it pays better. So he's not home very often. Mm. But when he is home, he's, he's a good dad. He's a great dad. And you see that very, very clearly. He, he has this lesson for his kids about acceptance. You know, Protestants mm. versus Catholics has no place in their home. Um, mm. So he makes that very, very clear that there's always that acceptance mm. uh, with people that come in and out of your life. But also staying out of that conflict kind of puts his family in harm's way. In danger. Because he's not taking a side. Yeah. And he works in England. That's where he can earn more money. So he's away for a couple of weeks at a time. Mm. So we see him, Pa, come back every other weekend, you know, intermittently. And there's a real conflict and drama between I guess a marriage in turmoil as much as the surroundings of mm. the political landscape too and the the chemistry between Jamie and Katrina is just stunning. We've talked about Kieran Hines and Judy Dench as the grandparents as well that just they ran out a perfect cast I think. The whole cast is just off the charts incredible in this. You know, reading up about this movie, every act has some sort of affiliation or connection with Ireland or Belfast. Mm. So they all felt incredibly connected to the story and I think that absolutely translates to their performance. Mm. And again, here's that word, that joy and that authenticity (laughs) that, that that is clearly coming through in Kenneth Branagh's writing. Yes. Another wonderful element of this that sets the tone is the music. It's a huge part of recreating the atmosphere of this place in time with the music of the time, but it's not mm. a lot of big hits being used. There's a couple, but most of the soundtrack is almost entirely by a multi-talented Irish artist named Van Morrison, mm. which is a mix of like folk, soul, country and rock. It's just perfect for the era. It's a great soundtrack. It's like I want to stream it on mm-hmm. Spotify right now. And how music is such a huge character in this film is that there are countless scenes and moments where – they're dancing in the street. It is such a huge layer of this film mm. in establishing the community yeah. environment that they all live in. Which hits harder when the community is torn apart. Mm. It's an escape for mm. them as well. It's despite the chaos. Music brings them together. Yeah. But it makes it almost sadder. And it's also that quintessential Irish thing, isn't it, that they can find the fun and the laughs and the, the crack, if you will. Yes, just a little bit of liquid courage. In the bad times. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. All right, Lee. So what do you think? Should we wrap up and rate our take on Belfast? Let's do it. Belfast is a poignant story about the time in everyone's life when the carefree innocence of childhood starts to drop away. It's intensely personal yet universal. It feels intimate and familiar, even if you can't relate to the external troubles of 1960s Northern Ireland. I just loved the joy and laughter that permeates in even the most fearful situations, and that's conveyed brilliantly by Branner's wonderful screenplay and this amazing cast. I'm, oh, you know, I'm torn really? about what to give Belfast, but I think I'm going to give it five popcorn kernels. Wow, that's amazing. I started off with four and a half, but, you know, okay. why not? Five. Oh, beautifully put. Here's another five kernel rating from Lee. Well, Belfast really did live up to the hype. I wasn't expecting to be so moved and entertained considering the backdrop of the film was at such a tumultuous time in Irish history. But Kenneth Branagh delivers such joy and hope and community spirit in his script with heartfelt and honest performances from his cast. Little Jude Hill really is one to watch, and Katrina definitely has my attention as an actress Mm. as well. 
There is such vitality to this story and you can't help but feel uplifted, filled with joy and deeply moved. I'm going to rate Belfast four and a half popcorn kernels. Well, there you have it. Belfast is in Australian cinemas from February 3rd. All right, Lee. So to kick things off in our news and trailer section, two Californian fans of actress Anna de Armas are suing Universal Pictures for misleading them that she would be in the film yesterday, which came out a few years ago. They each paid to rent the movie on Amazon Prime Video, only to discover that de Armas was removed from the final cut of the film. <laughs> Very common thing, though. Well, yeah, it's a common thing that happens. Yeah. You know, scenes are left on the cutting room floor. It, ha- it happens all the time. Yeah. But the suit accuses Universal of engaging in deceptive marketing and seeks to recoup at least $5 million on behalf of affected consumers. I don't understand that, the amount. If you rented it from Amazon Prime, what's that? Four and four ninety nine. Yeah, five bucks. <laughs> five oh, bucks. It's rounded up to five mil. How did you get it up to five million? <laughs> the lawsuit states that because consumers were promised a movie with Anna de Armas by the trailer for yesterday, but did not receive a movie with any appearance of Anna de Armas at all, such consumers were not provided with any value for their rental or purchase. Like, okay, give them a refund. Are they going to split the five million between everyone who watched yesterday or what? Well, they might actually end up with less than what they paid to watch it, depending on how many people rented it. <laughs> yeah, and how much their lawyers cost and everything. Yeah, that's it. Well, De Armas was meant to appear as Roxanne, who was a love interest, who was introduced to Jack Malik, who played by Himesh Patel, on the set of James Corden's talk show, and Malik was to serenade her with the rendition of George Harrison's song, Something, which just happens to be my favourite Beatles mm. song, so now I'm a bit salty. Uh, but the scene <laughs> with De Armas's character were removed. Yeah, to the tune of $5 million, though. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's an interesting piece to open up with, and I'm going to be very curious as to where this leads. Yeah, I mean, if they win, it could set some kind of precedent, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, power to the people. The fandom done it again. So Chris Evans and Dwayne Johnson are teaming up for a holiday action comedy called Red One for Amazon. Not much is known about the film's plot at this stage, but it's a globe-trotting action-adventure comedy that imagines a whole new universe to explore within the holiday genre. So my question to you, Lee, what on earth does that mean? Well, I mean, it's not the first time it's been done, surely. Like, we've had action holiday flicks before. Yeah, like Die Hard. What about Fat Man? That one with Mel Gibson. Oh yeah, that was quite dark. That yeah, that did look really dark. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's not unheard of. I mean, I'm here for Chris Evans and and Dwayne Johnson teaming up for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, until we come in to learn what the film is about in more detail, sit tight, guys. Mm Mortal Kombat 2 is officially in the works with Jeremy Slater penning the script. He wrote the upcoming Disney Plus Marvel Studios original Moon Knight. I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, God. Oscar Isaac, give me, give me, give me. Yes. All right. Well, the plot and cast are currently unknown. So until then, insert popcorn podcast plug here. You can check (laughs) out our interviews with the Aussie stars of the first Mortal Kombat movie, Josh Lawson and CC Stringer over on our YouTube channel, as well as with director Simon McCoy and producer E. Bennett Walsh. That was a great chat, a real fun chat. Now, the HBO original film Batgirl has cast Ivory Aquino as the first trans character in a DC Comics film. The DCEU installment stars Leslie Grace, who we love, as Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl. And Aquino will play Alicia Yeo, Gordon's best friend. Yes, so this character exists in the comics. Yes. And now they are being brought into this film. Yeah, that's right. 
So this character and casting inclusion is another step towards representation in superhero films and TV of late. So we had it in Loki, Eternals and TV shows such as Supergirl and Batwoman. I'm yeah. enjoying this trend. Come yeah, on. it's really good. It just adds so much more like depth and layer to all these mm. stories. Like it's a reflection of our society now. Yes. Um, and, you know, kids growing up will see themselves in these yes. characters. It's it's deeply important. And that's what makes comic books so important to kids because they can see themselves and they can imagine a world where they are the hero. Yeah, you only need to look not so far back at the cultural impact that Black Panther had yeah. for the black community in America and the world. So this holds as much weight potentially. Now, James Gunn has confirmed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is the last time we will see this group of Guardians. Oh, pause oh. for heartbreak. Oh, yeah, and pause for the Kleenex to wipe the tear. <laughs> oh, come on, James Gunn. Well, Gunn told Deadline's Hero Nation podcast that the third instalment of Guardians of the Galaxy is, and I quote, so, so big and dark and different from what people might be expecting it to be. What? A hype guy this he is. Yeah. And, you know, third films in a series are really hard to pull off, although Spider-Man No Way Home smashed it out of the park. (laughs) It did, didn't it? And I think James Gunn will too. You know he'll deliver something good. Oh, yes. I'm just so much more intrigued about that one. And, Lee, round us out with the last piece of news for this episode. So Jason Momoa has been confirmed to join the Fast and Furious 10 family as a possible villain working alongside Charlize Theron's Cypher, who we saw escape at the end of the last film. Yes, I am obsessed with this piece of casting. Question for you, I'm not, mm. I, I can't recall, but has Jason Momoa often played a villain? I don't know. I don't think so. He's kind of always a hero or an anti-hero or a bit of a jokester. Does Carl Drogo in Game of Thrones count as a villain? No, he was kind of, he became very popular, wasn't yes, he? Yes, yes. Oh, I'm, I'm obsessed with this. And apparently, I could have this wrong, but I probably should have fact-checked this, but the Fast Saga ends with like a two-part finale. So there's technically going to be a Fast 11. Of course it does. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, it makes sense that he's being brought on as a villain because at the end of the last film, uh, John Cena was the villain turned good al- ally, yes, sort of. Not yeah. good, but ally, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Still rough around the edges. I don't know, yeah. yeah. So they need, they need to insert another villain. That's right. Well, the family keeps growing in this Fast Saga, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, and I'm guessing we won't see... Dwayne Johnson back anytime soon. So No, that's a whole other story. They're not on speaking terms again. Oh, Finn and Dwayne. No. Come on, guys. There should always be a seat at the table for The Rock. Come on. Well, Vin Diesel says there is. Well, you are right. You are right. Yeah, I know. There's some bad blood there, that's for sure. There is. Well... And on that note, that is another episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. We covered off Kenneth Branagh's beautiful Belfast, which is in cinemas from February 3rd. Please do yourselves a favour and check that out. And guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Come and join in the conversation. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.